Welcome back. Hopefully everybody is still energized after this morning's activities and not completely sleepy like I am, but it was good. It's good to be busy in the Lord. Tonight we're going to be back in the book of John, continuing on in our series uh, going through the Gospel of John. Last week we looked at uh, a believing father. We looked at uh, the nobleman from Capernaum who, uh, whose son was healed or was sick and needed to be healed. And we saw his faith as Jesus told him to go and he made the long trip back to Capernaum. Uh, not knowing whether or not his son was actually healed, uh, but Jesus said he, he was, and on the way back he was, it was confirmed that his son was healed and healthy, and um, we saw what, what one man can do, or what one man's faith can be rewarded. Today, we're going to continue on as Jesus now uh, is leaving Capernaum and goes back to Jerusalem in chapter 5, and uh, you might notice that several of the headings look the same because... Really, this is kind of Jesus' pattern. He goes to a place, he teaches, he performs a miracle, and then he departs and goes to another place and teaches and performs a miracle. Uh, so here he is going to depart and go back to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish feasts. So, John chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse number 1. The Bible says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. and these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halts, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, and said, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered, answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your truth. Lord, I pray today that you would see, <clears throat> that we would see in this text, we would see two different types of people. Lord, we would see those that are faithful and glorify in the miracles that you perform, the things that you do each and every day for us. And Lord, that we would see those that are unforgiving and blinded by their own selfishness. So Lord, today, please help us to see and identify these and help us to see these characteristics in ourselves so we can change if we need to. Lord, help us in everything we do to grow closer to you, to look and walk more like you each and every day. So, Lord, please guide and direct tonight. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, Jesus is going to depart. He is just 
healed the, the nobleman's son and he's been was teaching in uh, Samaria, been to Capernaum, he's performed this miracle and now he's going to depart and head back to Jerusalem because there is a feast that's honoring the Lord that's going to be held in Jerusalem. Christ, if anything, was always and firstly, foremost, an obedient Jewish man. This feast is supposed to be honoring the Lord at Jerusalem. Now, it doesn't tell us what feast it is. I'm sure if we really studied the time of year, we could come up with exactly what feast it is supposed to be. But it doesn't really matter at this point. All that matters is this was supposed to be a feast that God commanded the Jews to keep that was to honor the Lord and, and to, to show His goodness and His mercy. But of course... Uh, I seriously doubt that most of the people that attended this feast actually knew what it was for. I think this feast was just being held out of duty because it's what had been taught by Moses. Because it's what was enforced by the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, uh, these Pharisees and Sadducees had perverted the law that Moses had given, that God had given through Moses. They had added unto it some 600 plus other laws that God never intended for them to have. And we're going to see their heart here in just a little bit, which I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but as we look through and we see how they react to the things that Jesus does here, we see their heart and we see that it's not a heart that is loving and, and glorifying to God. It's a heart that is selfish and hard-hearted. But I think this feast had lost a lot of its meaning. Kind of like most of the holidays that we celebrate here in the U.S. We've just celebrated Memorial Day. We're getting ready to celebrate Independence Day. Veterans Day. And so on. Mother's Day. Father's Day. For the vast majority of people who celebrate these holidays, they're simply another day off work. They don't understand the meaning or the sacrifice that it took. They don't understand what's being celebrated. They don't understand the true reason. They don't even think twice about the true reason for the holiday. This holiday was supposed to be a holy day for the Jews. One to remember God and what He had done for them. Jesus, more than likely, was the only person there who understood the true nature of this feast. Now it doesn't say what he did during the feast other than when he arrived in Jerusalem he went to the pool at Bethesda. That's the first thing that we see recorded about this. Jesus went not to celebrate. He went to work. He went to heal. Now the pool of Bethesda uh, is was described as being uh, when it was built, it was built as a uh, reservoir for to bring water into the city. The word Bethesda in the Hebrew means house of mercy or house of grace. And we see here that an angel would come down at a certain time and trouble the water. And after that water was troubled, the first person into the water would be healed of whatever infirmity they had. We also see that there are five porches or five porticos covered places that surround this pool where the halt and the lame and the blind and the withered would lay and wait for that troubling of the water.
we can understand this house of this name of the house of mercy or house of grace when we see what happens at this pool. But just as most people at the feast didn't know or care about the actual reason for it, the people at the pool didn't care about the reason for its name. They were simply there because they wanted to be healed. Again, the pool itself was surrounded by five porches where sick people lay waiting for a miracle. At a certain season, an angel would come down and trouble the water, and again, the first person into the water uh, would be made whole. But I want you to notice something about this phrasing. Notice that it doesn't say an angel of the Lord or an angel of God. It just simply says an angel. Now, I'm not that educated. But I remember in my reading through the New Testament, in my reading through the the Gospels, in my reading through the Old Testament, that generally those angels that were sent by God are labeled as an angel of the Lord or an angel of God. Now, I might be wrong. I might have made a mistake. But to me, this feels like this could very well be a fallen angel. This could be one of one of Satan's angels, his followers that fell when Lucifer tried to take over heaven. And it would make sense because most of what happens at this pool, uh, most people believe that this pool was a place of pagan worship. It was not a place of worshiping God. It was a place of pagan worship. But again, we don't know. All we know is that at one season or another, an angel would come down and trouble the water and someone would be healed. Christ, as He goes in, is only able to heal one person. I find that interesting. But Christ, as He often does, as He always did, He went, everywhere He went, He had a purpose. He had a person He needed to meet. He had an appointment. And He finds this one man, this single man that's been laid in this these porches for 38 years. Imagine not being able to move for 38 years. I think of uh, our friend DJ and Lucy. I think of their son Zach. Not able to move on their own, on his own. Not able to feed himself. Um, not able to communicate. Just stuck in a chair or wherever they put him for 25 years. Having to be carried everywhere he went. Now, thankfully, his parents um, decided from the very beginning that they were not going to leave him out of anything. Zach has climbed Pikes Peak. He's gone to places twice, my wife is telling me. He's gone to places that most of us might never see because DJ and Lucy wanted to include him in everything. This man has spent the majority of his life stuck beside this pool trying to be made whole. I can't imagine as I look around and and I think about my own life, I can't sit for five minutes without having to fidget. I mean, you see me standing up here, my hands are going everywhere, I'm shifting my weight, I'm constantly moving. If I'm not moving, I'm asleep, and even then I move quite a bit. But this man has been stuck here for 38 years, unable to get to the pool. Until the day that Jesus showed up. Jesus comes to the pool to find 
this man laying here, he finds the one true heart in the group. And he simply says, Wilt thou be made whole? And the man reveals uh, the true heart not only of himself, but the true heart of all those around him. He says that when the, tro- when the angel troubles the water, I have no man to come and put me in the pool. And some other one comes down before me. I have written down here in a footnote in my Bible that verses 5 through 9 are a study in selfishness. How can we be called Christians when we so when we so often put ourselves in front of others? This is the opposite of charity. All these people, most of whom were more fortunate than the man in question, chose to put themselves first. Now, I can't fault them for that. They're in pain. They're hurting. But not one of them that had been there and seen this man there for years and years and years even tried to help. Not only that, it shows the true heart of the Jews that were around. The religious crowd that was there that when they see this man healed, begin to correct him for being cured. Imagine witnessing a miracle like this. Christ just simply says, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man is made whole. And the first people that he meets correct him for carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. A man who hadn't had the ability to do that for 38 years is now being told, you should have waited. You shouldn't shouldn't have used this newfound gift, this this ability, this thing that you've been searching for and seeking for for so long, you shouldn't have taken advantage of it until tomorrow. Oh, they knew exactly who he was. Yeah, they, they knew exactly who he was. Something... He, he, he was not able to do this again for 38 years I'm 39 years old my entire lifetime this man suffered until he met Christ but can I say how often are we not any better instead of seeing the great things that God is doing in the new believer's life We look down our noses at all the rough edges that still need to be worked on. Jesus heals this man with just a few words. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. I've heard it preached many times that Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, that he had to say Lazarus' name so that the whole graveyard wouldn't wouldn't come out to visit. But I wonder why here... All the others at the pool weren't healed when he simply said, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. 
I wonder if it's because they didn't have faith. Because they were too focused on themselves. They were watching for the angel and they missed the Messiah. They couldn't show their faith in Christ because they didn't see him. This man was healed because he heard those words and by faith stood up and walked. There's a lot of things in this that we can, a lot of tangents we can get off on. But Jesus went to this pool specifically for this man. And we're going to see uh, as we continue with next week with the rest of the passage that uh, the Jews are not happy at all. But probably the most important thing that we want to look at tonight, the, the challenge for tonight, is for us not to miss the working of God because we're so focused on what's wrong in the world. Now, I find it easy to get off and watch the news and, and get down about, uh, you know, they're not, they're not throwing Hunter in jail. They're, they're, they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're picking on Trump and they're, they're doing all the crazy things that they're doing with our government and, and they're, they're destroying our country and, and just hurting us over and over again. But God is working. And God's power isn't shown in the good times nearly like it is in the bad times. Jesus chose this man because he knew his heart. He knew that he would have faith and he knew that he could, he could make a difference in his life. He chose the hard case. We saw uh, people focused on all that was wrong in the world with those at the pool that refused to hear Jesus. We see it in the Jews who questioned the cured man. And we're going to see it again in Jonah next week and again with the Jews who still will seek to kill Jesus for doing this miracle. but can we see it in our own hearts? This is another layer of the filter that constantly runs through my thoughts, filtering my actions. Instead of looking at what's wrong in the world and being depressed and angry, let's look at the great things that God's doing in our lives and the lives of those around us. I mean, we had a great day at the park today. You know, yeah, it rained. Yeah, it was windy. But you know what? We were together. We were serving the Lord. The gospel was handed out. People's lives could have been changed today. Yeah, we're tired and, and we're sore. But it's all worth it. We go back to Peter as he crawled out of the boat to walk on the water to Christ. He took those first few steps, was walking on water. And then he looked at the wind and the waves, and he began to sink, to sink 
Praise the Lord, Christ was right there. Drug him back out. That miracle would have never happened if they weren't in the middle of a storm. The Jews here missed an opportunity to see the Messiah because they were focused on their preferred Sabbath being broken. Let's not miss our opportunity to see God each and every day. Let's work diligently to seek His face and to see His mercy and His grace.